Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, the Golden State, and now I'm living here in beautiful Beijing, city of museums. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shirt. I am from the northeast part of China, and I'm here speaking with Jason and all of you with my morning tea and the sunny Beijing as well. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. According to an article in the BBC entitled Reverse Mentorship, How Young Workers Are Teaching Bosses, a Workplace is Made Stronger by the Differences in Ages in a Workplace. Increasingly, mm. as technology races forward older folks are learning new skills from their younger peers from the striking importance of social media to the constant turnover in digital skills is mentorship itself reversing its meaning <laughs> I, i i do want to say this before i go into the episode reading this introduction mm. of today's topic of younger generation mm. quote-unquote mentoring older generation because of their technology mm. um advantage I was just telling my dad how to do screen sharing using one of those online meeting softwares. And I know that if any of, if you were here, Jason, or if any of our listeners were here hearing me <laughs> talking to my dad, you would think I am a very mean and very rude person. <laughs> But it, was, it was in the middle of a work day and my dad had been kind of dying to know <laughs> to make sure because he had to do a teaching session. But he's like, Like, oh, we were using software A for the past two years. That's why I don't understand how to use software B. I was like, Dad, you just don't understand technology. <laughs> and I will help you. And he's like, I just need half an hour. I'm like, Dad, it's not just going to be a half an hour. And you could hear, you could hear me just going, can you see the screen share button? <laughs> screen share, lower right corner, lower right corner. And I was, you know. I it probably sounded a little bit like a witch or something, like a really mean witch. This is a very similar, so very similar or reminds me of Ronnie Chung's comedy when he's trying to explain his, bit, to his mom yes. about how to delete a comments it. on the internet. He's like, oh, no, you click it. No, no, no. You see the little place that you click? You push that. And he's like, he's like, it would, he, he, I think he says it would be easier for him to just fly from Malaysia to yes, Singapore and, to do, and do it himself. That's <laughs> what I tell my parents every time. They're like, oh, why don't you just call us and then tell us? how to install this smart karaoke system i'm like i'm mm. not going to be able <laughs> to remote control that they just think why don't you just tell me how it works and there is such a huge difference between people mm. who are more you know natively digital to and, and people yeah. who need needed to require to and people who need they to didn't grow it. up with this technology yeah. so there's a very different like very fundamental different way of understanding what technology how technology works in a, in a way it's kind of like a language when you grow up learning a, a second language or a third language and your your parents maybe don't then when you grow up you're really fluent they're like okay can you teach me now no <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> no, work like that absolutely <laughs> my mom has been on my back for about as long as i started speaking english like in mm. high school and she's like 
you should teach me English. I was like, mom, I'm not <laughs> teaching you. I'm not teaching you nothing. There's no way I'm going to teach you. She's Did like, you know it was like 10,000 hours? It wasn't like t- 100 hours. <laughs> I can't even count. And then she's like, just teach me 10 words every day. And then in three months, I'll be able to remember and use those words. I'm like, I've told myself that about Chinese so nope. many times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I actually... I had been putting off and refusing to use a lot of social media like Twitter and IG until this year. Mm -hmm. And my wife even, she installed it last year onto my phone to use it. She was like, okay, you need to do this. This is important now that you're in media. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. no. And then then finally around March, I started using both of them. And I'm still learning how to use them. And it's been like nine months or something. So <laughs> how's it going now? <laughs> um, I'm doing pretty well. But you know, I, I'm always learning about oh, there's this function. All I had to do was see the button <laughs> like uh, constantly. <laughs> there's I'm a like, button oh, there. It's been here the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, when, when you click the list and, or some new thing and like 20 drop down options come and you're like, Oh, wow, look at those. I usually just find the one I'm looking for right then and ignore mm. the other 19. And then later, I'm like, I wonder what these other 19 buttons too. <laughs> the 19 other buttons are my job. <laughs> That's the job <laughs> our team does. I'm like, mm, I think we need to put this other function in there. Like this information is very necessary in this drop down menu. So let's make it a feature and add. And before you know it, it goes from like one item in the drop down menu <laughs> to like mm. 20, 20 items. I want to use an example of just a very simple um, business. Mm. So I want to use the example of a restaurant. Okay. Now, if you have a restaurant, that's great. You have, you know how to have a chef and you know line cooks and uh, people to clean up and like uh, an accountant maybe and a greeter you know i what are they what are greeters called i forget <laughs> i'm not sure oh hosts hosts <laughs> host or host Hostess, yeah. yeah yeah and then you have your waiter waitress server you know mm-hmm. and so okay now that's not enough anymore now you need to be on facebook you need to be on instagram you need to be on uh, instagram you need to be on like i have a, maybe you have your own website probably have your own website you need to be collaborating with the people who come review your restaurant. You need to be collaborating with the groups that have competitions. Oh, what do they call that? They call community operationists. There's so much. So if you're a new restaurant owner, it's not the same game because you have to play with all of these young people's tools and be totally engaged at every community affair. Is there there a festival coming up? Is there a competition for food coming up? Is there like, uh, you know, what's going on in media in your neighborhood or in the city and it's just like yeah are you in contact with all of the the digital magazines that do restaurant reviews and do you know the right people are you going to the right events i mean it is so complicated Mm. now that the skill set that someone needed in the 1980s to have a restaurant and the skill set now is very very different. different but it's very necessary so i could see why people would struggle to kind of find a balance between what they hold as the core of the business versus what is you know the new trending way of running a restaurant on the block that you have to follow and no idea and have no idea mm-hmm. of where mm-hmm. to start so what's happening now is and all kinds of business let's look think about what it's like to work in a corporate environment mm. is that a lot of older leaders are sometimes in their 50s mm. 40s 50s 60s and they need people to do mm. to engage in these activities on behalf of the company to reach out and 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 put media up on these platforms representing new products and new upcoming products and i mean it's easy for them to tell some 20 year old hey go do this yeah but sometimes the the requests they make don't 
actually make sense. I was about to say, you can tell a 20-year-old to do it. And then the 20-year-old still has to bring it back for you to review. And you will be like, this doesn't make sense, which is probably not true. It probably makes the whole sense in the world. No, no, no. This is how it's done. No, no, no. But I want it to look like this. Yeah, I get into conversations like that sometimes. It's really frustrating for the person on the receiving end because it's just something that's so innate with you and you don't know where to start to explain. Like today, if someone asks me how come if you swipe your finger on the screen it goes to the next page you're like i don't know it just does wow (laughs) yeah they because the designers made it that way yeah exactly (laughs) how why i don't know how that's how that's how smartphone worked since day one when we started using it and then it's even Mm -hmm. even more intuitive for a lot of young kids like my friend's kids are like Two, three-year-olds. I'm like, you can't even speak yet. And you know how to take photos with the smartphone. <laughs> for example, let's say yeah. you have an older person. They have a vision for how a website should look. Now, if if you have like a 20-year-old who's like using, I don't know, um, <laughs> what's, what's the what, Substack or something. Or, or they're using one of these pre-programmed things like um, mm. WordPress. Then they can make it look like one of a thousand ways really, really easily. And they could be done in, a, in like a day. Yeah. Or... They could try to learn coding or like use coding to take months to make it look like the vision of their leader. (laughs) And I think the disconnect between like what the leader wants (laughs) and the the amount of time that it's going to take to invest because like, well, you made that website. It only took you a day. So why don't you just make it like this? It should take you another day, right? No, it doesn't. It's not that simple. Or, Or just be like, oh, how come we have six like display blocks on the first page? How come they can't just change shapes when you scroll? automatically (laughs) according to keywords filter you know wow wow that can be done you know and maybe alex is the person to code but certainly that's not the easy like you know there are different ways to do things and like yeah you need to give me another five years for me to learn coding and then maybe i'll make it happen for you and then they'll ask questions like is that possible well of course it's possible but like the amount of time that it's going to take to do it this way is really quick and the amount of time to make your dream come true is not even it's a totally different matter and i think that's a good question to call out when people ask you is it possible that is a really ugh, annoying question mm. keep it mm. in mind I'll, if anyone asks me that question i'll be like well you know technically <laughs> we're not speaking any close time frame you're listening to the bridge I want to think about the way that mentorship has worked in the past Mm. and the way that mentorship is maybe changing its dynamic now. So I have another article here. It's from 2018. It says self-made billionaire Jack Ma, how to be successful in your (laughs) 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond. And reading through this, it's some good advice based on kind of like an older map. Yeah. So it talks about like, look, for example, he's said in other interviews, uh, when you enter the workforce, stay in your current job for at least three years and find a mentor and stay with that person for three years and learn everything you can from that person before switching. Otherwise, you will just be floundering for your first few years of being in business. Mm. And I think that's really good advice. And it still is really good advice. But it ignores the dynamic, the way things have changed now, where new people are coming in. And then the leaders are saying, well, I can you show me how to use IG? And so now, while leaders are teaching young people skill the skills that it's necessary for like 
networking and dressing well and career building, career, all that stuff. Young people are also teaching older people like how to create an account <laughs> and like adjust your own picture and how to like write your headline <laughs> and why it's important to write a very catchy he- how headline. How to create your online profile. Exactly. All that re- that stuff that's for a 20 year old, they just do it in minutes and it's like no big deal. Mm. Like older people, they need I. I would have to say I have had to have my hand held Mm. and like, what does this button do? Why can't I upload my picture? It wants to be a circle. Can I make it a square? Like these are real problems that older folks have that younger people don't even think are like a blind spot. Mm. I mean, that is an advantage and it's asked um it's asked for a lot of new employees especially for you know the industry i work in it's you know it's really asking people to have a very well equipped kind of repertoire of all tech related knowledge but when you go into that team not everybody on your team is equally um, literate about these technology or these softwares if we're talking about, you know, talking on a smaller scale. And then at that point, you're like the same thing where uh, you just said, you look at your leader who are supposed to be who's supposed to be more advanced, more skilled, more experienced. And then you're like, mm. oh, but we're working on the software. And then they don't know the software as well as I do. And some of the young Employees will feel like, well, then why are you my leader? You know, it's harder for them to see that when that technological advance mm. is in front of them, sometimes actually blocks them from seeing the, you know, the other mm. important, valuable lessons they could learn from their leaders. Maybe I'm speaking like an older person as well. There's a no, I mean, I, th- I think you're right. I think what we need to keep in mind or as moving forward for young people's for their perspective is that older people can also think more strategically about mm. business than maybe younger people. I was watching a new TV show. Uh-huh. It's uh, I'm a little embarrassed. It's called Chippendales. But it's just oh, I'm watching it for the bit. So it's the story of the man who started the the industry Chippendales, uh-huh. which is a. um an entertainment business. Uh-huh. But um, I'm more interested in the business side of it. It's actually really interesting how he got the business off of the ground. Mm. And one of the things that happens is a protest starts outside of his club saying his club is a, a debauched place. And uh, someone comes to warn him and they're like, hey, you, I need you to be aware there's a protest starting. And he looks outside and he's like, great, they're here early. I thought they weren't going to be here until 11. Oh, wow. And so then he calls the he picks up the phone and calls the like the radio station or the local tv station he says there's a protest starting at this club like maybe you should send reporters to to, to, uh-huh. to be aware of what yeah to cover this and then the guy watching who warned him that the protest was started is like teach me because he basically is using the protesters to advertise his club as opposed to being scared that there are protesters and so like this is a bizarre example but <laughs> the way that older people see business is oftentimes worlds apart from the way that younger people see business. And that's what younger people can learn from a seasoned like general manager, like that there are ways of seeing how the business can move forward that are, you know, you might actually think are are flawed, but in fact are actually the better way to to do things. Yeah. And so younger people may have this obvious uh or this this new skill set based on the way that technology is changing. But I think What's important to see is that there is a multi-generational necessity. You need people of different ages in your business because they're going to have different outlooks and they're going to be able to advance a business in a way that is Mm. necessary. All the different 
generations need to work together at this point in time and so that because in the future theoretically let's say let's say all technology stops advancing which is not going to happen then all the young people when they're in their 60s they'll have all the necessary (laughs) skills including you know but obviously things are going to keep advancing so like i want to have friends but where is my app (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know how to talk to people outside of the app i'm sorry that's that's mean i don't think that's true is it no because you're you're on all kinds of media but you're a young person and you have all kinds of physical real in-person friends i know i know i do because i still really value that (laughs) i hate it i i'll disclose a number that i just received on my iphone it tells me you know i don't know if if you use that function i don't know when i turn it on but every week on sunday or saturday my iphone sends me a little pop-up message saying what your average screen time was Mm. from the last week meaning the number of hours you spent wow with the screen on you maybe you weren't you know staring edit but the screen was on uh, on a daily basis last week guess what my number is um 30 hours daily 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 oh okay six hours 11 hours oh my god 11 hours and 30 minutes okay so i maybe I, wow yeah Winner. i was really <laughs> i was really i was really kind of shocked when i got this number and i didn't like the feeling because i thought about it i was like so my days are basically spent 100 percent on looking at my phone mm. and that was a very scary thought you're listening to the bridge In America, we all, I think every, you know, a a lot of the tools are used in a lot of other places. So people know about IG, about Facebook, about uh, WhatsApp, Mm -hmm. all these American born Mm -hmm. kind of tools. I was wondering if you could walk us through what are some of the most popular tools that are being used by Chinese folks? Because I think this is be interesting for a lot of our listeners outside of China. Honestly, in China, if we're talking about the the mass public, it's really just it's all on wechat oh and there's one yeah everything is on wechat and there's one thing that i really didn't like which i'm very happy about for my current job is that my work group is not on my wechat Mm. but when i was working by you know when i was freelancing when i was working for some other smaller teams or companies Mm. it's really it's 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 just all wechat like all of the the way they send documents Mm. the way they assign work the way they communicate with you about anything (laughs) is all on WeChat and I hated it. I hated it with so much passion because I'm like, and that one, that's when I felt like, I felt like very, I felt like an old person. I felt like a little old fashioned, Mm. let's not say old person, but I was like, Mm. WeChat is a social tool. You know, we have, we have this WeChat moment thing in Chinese is called 朋友圈. Basically it's called your friend circle. I am not going to use this tool to mix my social circle and my professional Mm. uh, connections and using it on a daily basis also it's like okay i use it after work i use it outside of Mm. work talking to the family and friends and then looking for content to consume Mm. and then like it still has to give me stuff when i'm working so i'm on this one app 24 hours a day Mm. (laughs) and i hate that i hate that and then you know a lot of people didn't like it because basically if you mix your work contacts and your personal contacts Mm. that means like you can't really quote unquote lie to your coworkers, like you know if you're just like i'm not feeling well i just want to t- 
take a day off. I'm not really and sick. You're posting pictures <laughs> of you. <laughs> posting about walking around, walking at City Walk at Universal, you know, just taking the day. People are like, oh, I thought you were sick. Didn't take didn't you take a sick sick day? Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> it that that feeling of being confined and mm-hmm. being restrained from what you can do on the social app is not very friendly to a lot of people. So I'm really happy we're not using that anymore. But there are other apps for like young professionals um, in China kind of help them with getting intel or information about the company they're working mm-hmm. in um, without revealing who the person can, is. Oh, can I, I have a couple, so many questions now. Yes, so yes. question number one, if your current company is no longer using WeChat as a communication tool, what communication tool, digital communication tool are they using? Oh, they're quite a feel. They're, um, um, so there's one that's called Ding Ding, which was very popular because I think the operational cost is relatively low and it has a lot of, um, it covers a lot of areas for businesses. One of the companies I, the foundation that I worked with, they were using Ding Ding, but they use Ding Ding for, okay, when you hire another person and, um, you know, when you try to add them to your human resource system, um, and when you try to communicate some like company wise uh, information, they use that. And then of course mm. the, um, the security system, like when you can, you can just go up to the, the camera and swipe your face to um, open wow. the door. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more simple. Did you say swipe your face? Sorry, scan your face. <laughs> <laughs> swipe your oh, face. No, I mean, I was just like, a, that, yeah, I, man, the technology just has changed. go up changed. there and go left to right. <laughs> whoosh. I, um, as if, as an American, I always yeah. had the Im- maybe false impression that there's this tool called Weibo and that everyone's on there talking to each other. Is uh-huh. this true? Yeah. No, when? you don't really talk to each other on Weibo. And the Weibo is... Weibo is. So what is it for? It's completely open. So think of Weibo as Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's not... We don't look at it so much as, um, you know, an active social tool. When Before WeChat was a huge thing or before, before WeChat even came into being, Weibo was the hottest platform for a good mm-hmm. couple of years and everybody was posting on it. Um, now Weibo is really more for social media operation. If you want mm-hmm. to build a presence and kind of monetize your, your social media post, and Weibo already has that system established really, really uh, sound and, and smart. And it's everything's well regulated on, on Weibo already. But of course, mm-hmm. there are a lot of, you know, celebrity gossips, hot news, trends that people may still go to. But in terms of the number of people that are active on Weibo, Mm. it has gone down so much since kind of WeChat came into being. Uh, Yeah, because in WeChat... So WeChat has its own Weibo Weibo function then. Because what I've noticed on WeChat is that it also has the like a Douyin-like function where you can now upload videos of yourself because yeah that's new the channel is new they're trying yeah. to trying to crack into this other market yeah so the Weibo function the difference between Weibo and WeChat is that WeChat is only open to it's only available and visible to your contacts mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. other people cannot see what you posted unless they you have added them as your contacts on WeChat mm. Weibo is different if you're just a you know a Weibo if you have a, a Weibo account and you post something Unless you specifically set the status of that one post, then everybody on Weibo, for example, if there's like 500 million users on Weibo, 
theoretically, they could all see your post. Your WeChat is different. Mm-hmm. It's only semi-open to people that you allow mm-hmm. to see it because they are your contacts. That gives them the default right to your um, content. I was relearning how because I had taken time off from Facebook after moving to China. I was like, I want to be, you know, zoned into China. So I got rid of Facebook and I didn't have it for like seven or eight years. Mm. And one of the things that I found really surprising is when I went back onto Facebook a couple years ago, I posted something and then someone I had never met commented on it. I was like, who's this dude? <laughs> because on WeChat, you'd post and you would only receive com- comments from people you know. Exactly. And so I was really kind of startled that just like suddenly anyone in the world would be like able to read whatever I was posting. Mm. And I know you can change the settings to make it not like that, but I found it very peculiar. I was like, anyone can just read what I write now. <laughs> like this is strange. Yeah. Facebook could. Uh, yeah. I had a whole, I had a whole thing with Facebook as well, but even Facebook now is not as popular as it used to be. I remember the days. Oh yeah. In the last two or three months, it's even. Yeah. Going I down. remember the days where everyone when upon first meeting each other, be like, Oh, let me add you on Facebook. Let me add you on Facebook. And then, mm. you know, mm. kind of bring it back to what we're talking about i was when i was in the united states that's when facebook was kind of at its mm. prime and uh, we were running this radio show like this sports radio show and i was in charge of making sure that i was posting um about the the show page to other groups or find possible people that are you know people that are potentially interested in this and then grow our uh viewership on the facebook page facebook mm, page and that was like mm, a major thing back then now it's like okay People want to do that as well, but no, not as many people are interested in growing that number organically. Like, yeah, it, yeah. there are metric systems, there are, there are growing methods in place. Like, if you know how to use them, if you know how they're, you, if you know how to use other third party apps or plugins to help you do all of that, then that'll send the number of your Facebook viewership to a next level. But you can also buy Facebook ads. You can pay Facebook directly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Facebook is like, let me do this for you. Like, I'll open this channel for you. So that's that's a lot of the skills still I think young people have, but it's not Facebook is not something that excites young people anymore, I guess. Yeah, so that's exactly it. Even if technology weren't to change that much, like because software is changing so much it like and trends change so much because i was a you know i was one of the myspacers when it came out i was like yay myspace and when people were switching to facebook i was like i'm not gonna switch to facebook this was like i don't even know like 20 more than 20 years ago and i was like i like myspace and i'm not going to facebook with all these trendy people and then eventually it was like no <laughs> one was on my myspace and it was like okay i guess i have to go to facebook and then now yeah i don't know i, I don't want to say anything bad about facebook but i would say i don't use facebook more than to log in and ch- like check messages. tweak a couple things and then check messages and log out. I'm my Facebook time is, per day is about 5 minutes. Oh wow. Just to like go on and you know tinker with things and leave because I don't actually like it. When I scroll up and down, it doesn't show me any of the content I want to see. Yeah. It shows me the content it wants me to see and I'm like I don't have time to just look at what your algorithm has decided to show me. I only want to see, you know, these friends and you're just showing me random stuff and I'm like <laughs> this is not what my day is for. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I added the added those people on Facebook, but I'm not interested in their I don't want to see all of those. You're listening to The Bridge.
I wanted to talk a little bit about this mentorship idea, the idea that young people are helping older people. So this is very local. Mm. This is from November 14th. It is Tech Savvy Teens Providing Technology to Support Older Adults at <laughs> Centennial Retirement Facility by Christian Lopez. It's from Denver7.com. Mm-hmm. And this is a basically a... You know, I I want to tell a story really quickly. Yes. I was the vice president of a chess club. Wow. I ran the thing. Anyways, in my college days. <laughs> and I, we had a professor who was like the uh, a designated go-to person who was sponsoring our club. Mm-hmm. And he was a, ma- a math teacher. And we had to do charity work in order to maintain our club. I actually started the club, so it didn't exist before me. And so I went to him and I was like, we need to fulfill a uh, semester of like a few hours of charity work. What should we do? And I didn't know. And so he was like, let's go to an uh, old folks home mm. and play chess and with them and talk with them. And in my head, I thought, how is this <laughs> like charity? As I got older, I began began to understand that old people in these homes are really, really lonely and like desperate for contact with people. Aww. So we did that. But like this reminds me of the same thing. These kids in Denver, when I say kids, I mean people in their early 20s. They, they sorry, <laughs> I, I'm a bit older. That, yeah, that is a little older. That is a little older than. Yeah, I, yeah. Sorry. The, uh, I, I use the word kids, anyone under 25. <laughs> sorry. So the, these young, these young adults, would they donate their time? To go to retirement mm. homes in Denver yeah. and they teach, uh-huh. you know, people in their 70s, 80s and 90s how to use like Skype or Zoom or like, you know, how to yeah. open a Facebook or how to read the news now. And so it's mm. it says um, the some of the things that they do. This is a quote from one of the helpers named Sunker uh, communication through email and then like plugging something in yeah. to complicated things where it takes us an hour and a half. So some. Sometimes it's like, I don't know how to charge my phone. So it doesn't, my phone doesn't work. It's always black. So you need to plug it in. And then other times it's like, I want to have a, a f- yeah. social media profile on Facebook. So, and c- connect with my family yeah. through that. So it's like turning it on, creating a profile, adding all of their family members, and then showing them how to navigate and use mm. it so that they can be in contact with the other members of their family from, and this, this could be a life changer for some person. Maybe they spent two or three years completely in the dark basically just playing shuffleboard and like now now they can just turn their computer on they know how to open facebook they know how to click on their yeah. you know daughter's profile and find out why she's really not visiting oh, but have you okay I, I i love i love when the you know when the older generation when the senior mm. um people start to embrace technology mm-hmm. but i don't know if you have experienced this mm-hmm. but some of your some of your more senior family members mm. they learn about any of these social apps and then they find one very intricate little thing it could be anything and then they become mm. super obsessed with it <laughs> like for example so i don't know if you've seen digital albums and it's when i say digital albums they sound really fancy and it sound really cool it's not those cool ones i don't know if you've seen those on wechat mm. it's those like the books you can print you mean exactly not that's why oh. so it's like a photo collage thing that you could make and mm. it's always accompanied by like really loud and cheesy music <laughs> yes i do know and then that. you know your photo i mean i don't i don't use those but i've seen those yeah. you know those you know those things like little <laughs> my grandma learned how to make those oh my god every every couple of days and he's like she's like look i just made this and then i look at this photo and there's like maybe three photos inside but it rotates and it repeats like over the course of a minute 
minute and a half and really slowly. And then the song's really loud and it's so weird. And I was like, oh God, yes, that's great, Grandma. I'm glad you're such, you're so like technology inclined. I love it. Great. Don't do it anymore, you know? I, I love it, but it's just like that's one thing, and then she will find another thing, and then she becomes really obsessed with the other mm. that thing as well. I've had a friend who uh, successfully helped his aunt get on Facebook. Mm. <laughs> And his aunt learned how to upload photos to Facebook. Mm. And she started to upload every single one of his childhood photos. Th- that's a great... You know, actually, I was going to say... <laughs> all the embarrassing moments are now all public. No, that's amazing. <laughs> My friend's aunt just uploaded all of his embarrassing childhood photos on Facebook. And she didn't do it. It's not like, oh, she does it in one batch. It's like every day she posts like two or three. And then... His friends loved mm. it because it would, those were really embarrassing photos that he never, he never showed it to people. It's like full frontal. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. That kind of photos. And then, but the aunt was like, the aunt's like in her seventies and she's like, Oh, look, baby. You like, Fredo, look, baby, Jason. How cute. <laughs> <laughs> My friend's like, I don't want people. And then she, oh, of course she learned how to tag him as well. So it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful story. My mom has this big wooden box full of pictures. They're literally just piles of like, it's just all smushed together. Yeah. And there must be like thousands of photographs of me and my brothers and my father and my mother. And occasionally my brother, Robert goes to my mom's house to, and they, he'll reel out some pictures of him and mm. us and me, and he'll take some snaps and send them to me. I love getting them. I mean, they're not public or anything, yeah. but I wouldn't mind if they were, but like, I'm always like, oh, yeah, the good old days at the beach with dad. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. Like, and I save them onto my phone, sometimes in multiple places, because I want to make sure I don't lose those. Because, you know, maybe it's because I live so far away from mom. Mom's in California. Mm. I live here in China. Mm. But I'm always really, really happy that my brother has taken the time to upload some of them. So, yeah, you know, I do, I think I do the friend, same for pictures that I yeah. think are cute. You know, even if they're funny, I think they're cute. But then there are other embarrassing pictures I will never want to show people. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know, the older generation being mm-hmm. not too, um, not being too comfortable with technology and stuff. I just watched um, this movie. It's it's not a new movie and it's not like a super artistic movie. It's um, mm-hmm. one of those probably Christmas movies. Um, I don't know if you watched it. It's called The Intern. And it was. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, Anne Hathaway mm. and Robert De Niro. When that came out, people were like, what is Robert De Niro doing? Like, why That's would he be movie. in a movie like this? I Thank you. I watched it and I actually felt like there's so much to kind of ponder on after watching it. Of course, we all know. Of course, we all know at the end of the day, like, and for, for those of our listeners who don't know what that movie is about, which is a problem that needs to be fixed. <laughs> it's uh, Anne Hathaway plays a very successful young, a uh, young entrepreneur who started her own wedding sort of designing business in her early 30s. And of course, she has a family and she had to kind of strike the balance between keeping her family and her business growing at the same time. And her staff thought it would be a great idea to start a senior mm. internship program which she thought meant seniors like college senior students internship program it was actually a program that kind of re-employs <laughs> people who have retired or you know that fall out of the age bracket for interns and that's where robert de niro comes in mm-hmm. and he's someone who's in the 70s recently widowed and decided to 
pick up his life again. And he comes into this very fast paced, Brooklyn based, um, you know, young company mm. as someone who didn't even know how to really work with all of the, the softwares and, you know, not even too much on emails and stuff. And so when you have that premise, you're like, oh, yeah, I know at the end of the movie, Anne Hathaway is going to Jules, the character's name, is going to be able to learn something from Ben, which is the play, the character that Robert De Niro plays. Mm-hmm. But there is, um, and that was true. Like, you know, Robert De Niro was able to offer things that are easily overmit, overlooked when you are a young, successful person in a very fast-paced business, which is the case for a lot of younger people nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also showcases, you know, how Jules kind of treats her other younger employees and how much they're willing to give for, you know, a better work performance. And that kind of reflects on today's reality, which is a little sad, but I'm glad everything got rectified in the movie. And there's one conversation that really, really just spoke to me. It was towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Jules already understood that Ben was offering her something so much more valuable than she could even, you know, imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, she's like, I'm not going to give you any work because there's no way you're going to be able to type fast enough to like make pictures fast enough for me to give you anything to finish. And he was sitting by and his desk just looking at an empty email inbox. But then towards the end, um, she was going to Ben for suggestions on one of the most important decisions she's supposed to make. And then, you know, of course, she ran into some hurdles and she started to doubt herself. And she's like, I think I should just give it up and go back to family and um, do all of that. And then Robert De Niro said, uh, sorry, Ben said, you know, Jules, don't do that. This is you. Like what you know how to do, that is you. And nobody knows that better than you do. You're the only person that is going to be able to take your company anywhere at all. And then he said, Jules, I am 70 years old, but I've never achieved anything like this. You know, I've never done things to this level. I've never started anything and grew it, grew it into what your company is nowadays. And I'm not going to have that chance again, but you did. So you hold on to it. And when I watched that moment and I was like, okay, that's really interesting. Cause when Ben sign, signed up to be Jules intern, that's a case where Jules is supposed to be his mentor. And then like in the end, it kind of, it reversed, hmm. like, you know, mentor, the intern became the mentor's mentor. But then if we're talking about traditional mentorship, like a young person is kind of always meant to learn from an older person who had more life experiences. So I just thought it was really, mm. really interesting. And it's kind of... And now no one needs to see the movie. Sorry, you still want to see it because this is Robert De Niro. Come on. And so, like, you know, he's he's older. I love Robert De Niro, but not every movie Robert De Niro makes these days is fantastic. Mm. I, I want to talk about what you've said, reverse yeah. mentorship. Um, So yeah. this article by the BBC, Reverse Mentorship, How Young Workers Are Teaching Bosses by Nicole Kobe, I want to say, 14th. <laughs> November 2022, uh-huh. it actually talks about this idea of reverse mentorship as a scheme that organizations are developing. So, you know, mm. when I was studying a couple of business courses online, I learned that it's important for me as a younger person to find someone who older, very similar to what Jack Ma was talking about, Yeah, find someone older and learn from them and try to 
become buddies with them and learn and say, hey, please be my mentor and like follow them for a while, months, years, whatever it takes to extract their wisdom as much as possible. But this is actually a scheme that businesses are taking on, according to this uh, article, where, quote, reverse mentoring schemes can make younger staff feel listened to and welcome in office, helping reduce employment churn. So what this does is it takes an older person in the company, even a leader, Mm. and it teams them up with like a 22 year old and is like, okay, yeah, this is your mentor. So the 22 year old become comes to their office periodically, whatever the, the scheme is. Yeah. And then shows them how to use their social media, gives them tips and clues on, on, you know, how to use. So basically it's like what the, the people at Denver seven are doing. Yeah. But now this is in house in your company where you, you, you spend time having one-on-one uh, an older person has spends time having one-on-ones with younger people mm. And those those younger people walk them through like all of the new technology that's coming out and help them update their savvy abilities so that they can try to keep up with (laughs) all of the media that young people take for granted. So easy for them. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like a lot of things are taken for granted. And unless you are paired with a task like that as a young person, you're probably not even going to look at what you know and how you know it and why it works mm. the way it does, you know? And when you, it's the same thing when you start, it's different between using, for example, Premiere to edit videos than teaching Premiere mm-hmm. um, to people who want to learn how to edit videos. It kind of also forces you oh to deep, to dive deep, deep, to do a deep dive into Premiere. You're reminding you me sound of like my... there's a, a, a sad story. It's not sad. <laughs> I tried to learn premiere this year and i my my uh-huh. wife she's really uh tech savvy so i was like hey you could teach me how to do this we spent i don't know two hours i i still couldn't even open the thing you because when you open premiere it doesn't just open it's like you need to put a file in immediately and like name it something in order to open properly and like it's just the opening uh, premiere is like a nightmare yeah so like i, I what i need is something that is about okay if i say if premiere is 10 on the difficulty scale and my phone's like self-editing like apps is like a one i need like a three uh-huh. a three from <laughs> Premiere is way too complicated for someone who doesn't have a background in that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's why. But that's why I really appreciated um, my grad school, Boston University. Shout out. Mm. Um, Mm. We have faculties that are really, you know, they came up in the in the golden age of journalism in America. And that means they're, you know, older in age as well. Mm. And they're all of these cameras they need to use because their students are going to be able their students are going to use that. That those cameras for their coursework and the editing software they mm-hmm. need to understand mm-hmm. because they might need to do something and jump in and do it themselves as well. So there's these um, very regular trainings that the school provides for all faculty members mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on the new software we're using that we're the new program we're incorporating into our curriculum. And then the, it's really precious to see like your professor who's like, you know, 70 years old sitting in the editing lab learning how to be <laughs> <laughs> more um you know yeah like learning how to how to be more mm, fluent mm, in mm, using mm. um uh premiere so it's yeah they're trying they're really trying and i really mm. appreciate that just keep your keep everybody on the same page you're listening to the bridge 
I wanted to actually go back to something because I forgot that I wanted to say something. When you were talking about using WeChat, because I use WeChat too, mm. and I use it to communicate yeah, with friends and colleagues, work, all this kind of stuff. I, I remember an experience, not for me, but for someone else when I was working uh, six or seven years. No, it was longer than that. Seven or eight years mm. ago when WeChat really mm. exploded in terms of like, basically people before WeChat were primarily texting each other. Yes. If they wanted to communicate. Yeah. So texting was, which I don't do. I only, I mostly just delete any text that comes in. If you text me, I'm not going to read that because it's yeah. buried in all these advertisements and junk. But um, WeChat became the the replacement for texting. And there was a colleague I had. And after about six or months or a year of doing it, she was like, I don't like this. Yeah. And I'm going to not have WeChat anymore because, you know, this isn't a company requirement or whatever. So she deleted yeah. her WeChat. And even though we were the 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 team I was not a leader at this point the team uh-huh. would used WeChat to organize when her meetings are happening and, and talk, communicating with coworkers she was not having it I think is really interesting a month after she made that decision she also left the organization oh wow and I don't I in our and the organization that we had there was no way anyone was I mean even though none of our contracts said you need to use WeChat as a form of communication mm. it was so embedded in the company within a few months that it was impossible to be divorced from like so her decision to leave WeChat for me and my own thinking I didn't know her particularly well was like okay she's uh-huh. not gonna be here soon <laughs> I, I could see the writing on the wall she's made a decision like yeah, that's she, a resolute. she's <laughs> deliberately trying to uh, ostracize herself from the rest of the team because once these technologies roll mm. out people are like oh okay that's just you know whatever it is but like it becomes so we so quickly, humans and organizations become so dependent on these things so quickly that it's almost mm. like we never, you can't un- remember what life is like without it. Like, for example, the smartphones. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a time when the only phones you had, you had to pick up and had a wire on them. And, you know, you, I, I even had the rotor phones that would go. <laughs> I Seriously, I had those when I was young, very mm. young. And so now, if you just said, we're not going to have smartphones tomorrow, I would, I don't know what I would do. It would be insane to live in a world without smartphones now that we've had them. Yeah. The new technology, as it becomes part of our life, it suddenly, you didn't realize how indispensable it really was. Yeah, it's not just part of our life. It's like part of us, you know, nowadays, especially Mm. when it also stores so much of your personal information and it also is used as proof when you are going to places from time to time. So it's always like, oh, I could, Mm. you know, in case knocking on wood, I lost my uh, wallet or my ID. At least I still have my phone. I could call people. I could maybe have a photo of my ID and show it to the police saying, hey, this Mm. is me. But if you lost your phone, the that panic is on a way different level than just losing your money or your ID because it's all yeah, everything incorporated everything. into this one little brick in your hand. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it I, for me, I don't think it's possible to lose my phone anymore because I'm <laughs> so tied to it that I never stop using it anymore. You're you're like, at I, it 11 I, hours, 30 minutes per day as well. with your. Phone. I mean, when I'm home, I'll put my phone down. Right. But if I'm out yeah. in public, I'm walking to get a cab or whatever. So I have my 
mm-hmm. hand, my phone in my hand to order the cab. Then you get in the cab and then I'm using my cab to pass the time. So I'm reading the news or communicating on various social media platforms. And then when you get out of the cab, you have to pay for the cab. So I can't imagine that I would just leave it in the cab because it's not possible. Yeah. There's no stage in which I would not be needing my phone to engage oh, with but- the getting into and out of the taxi experience. The only way I, it would be possible is if I was intoxicated. I mean, but Didi, Didi, you don't have to actually pay, you know, when the, when the, when the ride ends, because it automatically takes money from your account. So you don't have to. Not my account. You don't have to. Mine, I have to. <laughs> so maybe your account's set up, you're, you're using young people way. Mine is actually, it tells you pay and I have to press my fingerprint and my fingerprint pays. Um. So that way, the way my account is set up, it would be impossible for me. Maybe, maybe you are so advanced that it would be possible for you to lose your phone. You're listening to The Bridge. Obviously, you have the USB, so you can plug that into your computer. And some computers don't have USBs. But my wife got me a special kind of USB that turns and the other side of the USB plugs into your phone like a power charger. And so periodically, I plug it in and I download a whole bunch of the stuff that I consider vital to life. Yeah. So even if I were to lose my phone, you still have that, that little it, thumb drive. Yeah. I could be like, okay, those thousand pictures that n- I need to live are still here. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are really advertising that I see commercials about those little devices. Hmm. I'm just too lazy. And I, I just know myself that if I can't keep my phone around me, I'll probably lose that little thing as well. Alex, how often do you replace your This phone? one I've been using for three years. What? Wow. You are very thrifty. I, I actually never, um, I would use a phone until it's really just really not working. The wow. last phone I have, yeah, I dropped it and the, you know, the corner, the top corner of the screen, yeah. that liquid leaked. So there's wow. a part of the screen that's black. And I use that phone with that little blockage on the on the upper right corner. I used that for like a good half a year before <laughs> wow, Alex. I replaced it. Yeah, I am. I am very I don't know if you call it that thrifty. You can just call it that laziness. Like I have to transfer all the data and then get new <laughs> phone cases. Exactly. That's what I was going to ask you. What do you do every year when you have to update your phone's information? But I can't ask you because you have had your phone for so what happens, Alex? Mm-hmm. You know how long it takes to move all the information <laughs> from one phone to another? Oh God, I tried. Oh. I will. I will reveal a number as well. Uh, I have. I have twelve thousand photos mm. on, my, on my, <laughs> my album on my phone right now, and I've tried to like delete and stuff, but it just magically grows <laughs> back into a bigger number. So I just kind of stopped. But recently, because I, you know, mm. I didn't have too many activities, so there were not many new photos that were added to my photo album but um i'll probably do another cleanse just just to make myself feel a little bit better about not being burdened by digital assets that i create wow okay so um i actually wanted to share a story from yeah. uh, one of the articles this is a bit bizarre it's a little off yeah. topic but i want to talk about uh moving into your career and looking for leadership. And the reason that Jack Ma gave the advice that he's given Mm. as looking for a mentor, what we're talking about to say that we're intending that we should not learn from people who are older than us, because obviously there's so much for us to learn. One of the stories that Jack Ma said is this quote, 
I failed so many times. People probably know that I applied for so many jobs, over 30 jobs, all rejected, not even got a chance. 24 of us interviewed for a KFC job. 23 got accepted. I was the only guy rejected. I think that's really interesting and that his advice is basically that for us to succeed, we need to find people in positions of leadership with wisdom for us to learn from so that we can succeed. Mm. So he was in a position where he felt like a failure and obviously he's turned out to be one of the most successful businessmen of our era Mm. so his advice is basically to find mentors and i think i think for for me maybe it's not the same for you but for me the idea is that mentors don't have to always be older than you absolutely mentors for older people can be younger and for younger people can be older because you know just like when you want a lot of different kinds of uh, people from different backgrounds to come into your work age is a kind of background and we need a successful workplace needs people from every generation learning from each other yeah I had internship when I was in Boston. I was interning at the W, you know, um, the public radio station, the PBS public radio station, WGBH. And it was an internship program. There were, I think, five of us. And there was me. I was 24, 25. And then there's uh, this now a very good reporter for the Boston Globe. And I really wish I could uh, reconnect with him, John Mm -hmm. Hilliard. And he was in his maybe late 20s at the time. So a couple years older than me. And then we had this other lady. But she was, I think when she came Mm -hmm. to join that internship program, she was 37 or something. She's, you know, much older in age because she just decided to finally take a shift in her career path and she decided to follow mm-hmm. her heart and do journalism do radio we all followed um the reporter and she's in her early 30s mm-hmm. she's the oldest one but mm-hmm. she still had to learn like you know how to use all of the uh, device and then what's kind of the new uh norm new normal for journalism now because when she mm-hmm. did journalism that was like 15 years before that mm-hmm. um that point and everything's changed really fast. So she had to kind of readapt and relearn a lot of the very fundamental knowledge skill sets that are required in today's journalism world. And she was learning from at the same time, she was talking to us as well, you know, younger kids that are in the same program. And she's definitely learning from how we maneuver in the, you know, the mm-hmm. devices and how we do our, like, how do we do transcripts? How do we get tapes mm-hmm. uh, clean and stuff like that? And then she, sometimes you see, like, you would see her still doing, you know, uh, very old fashioned fact, uh, fact checking. And then you realize that is still the most efficient way. That's the only way that you don't leave anything out. Mm. And so, like, actually, you know, we've been talking about whether younger people are your mentor and, mm-hmm. and or older people are your mentor, but the young people can reverse mentoring their mentor. And it's all true. And I think, like, the moral of the whole story is that you will always, if you are in the same workplace mm-hmm. with anyone, really, there's always something that you can learn from the other person. Even if it's a bad example, yeah. you could learn lessons. It sounds like Confucius. Or you could like warn yourself not to do that if you're trying to grow. I would love to have what Jack Ma said, someone who could be a mentor for three years. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in today's <laughs> workplace. You're going to be there for three years and that person's there for three years as well. And that person is just willingly being your mentor for the entire duration. Mm. It's very hard to come by. I have actually found that in, in the, you know. Oh, lucky you. Tell us about it. I don't want to talk about it too much, but in the, at the radio station, 
conversation. Uh, the producer of this show has uh, been teaching me a lot of stuff about media that uh, I didn't know. But, you know, I want to actually really talk about something really briefly because we're out of time. Is that I was thinking about the relationship of the graduate students when I went to study mm. and the professors. It's actually a bit different. Yeah. Because the university professors are just like, I have grad students here. You do you do this. So like yeah. instead of a lot of the time, instead of university professors learning from their their younger cohorts. Yeah. They're uh-huh. actually just de- delegating the work to them. So I think that's interesting. In business, a lot of the older folks are actually very eager to learn the skills from younger people. Yeah. But my experience of uh, being a graduate student and seeing the way that different university professors delegated yeah. tasks to younger people was like, I can't be bothered with this. You do this. <laughs> so anyways, we are out of time. Mm. And uh, thank you so much for joining the show. Please join us next time where East meets West. See you guys next time. Thank you.